Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be looking at what's happening out there in UK markets, as well as the macroeconomic themes that are playing out currently. And to do that, we're once more joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Hello again, John. How are you doing? Yes, yes, very well. Busy old uh, week out here in markets, Alan, and that's something we're going to be covering straight off today on the podcast. I mean, just, you know, very quick question from your point of view, you know, seeing what's happened, Alan, since the the, the mini budget, I mean, do you think this, this uh, sort of debacle is, is going to come to the you know, come to an end anytime soon? Or, or do you think Truss's days are, are numbered before she's got started? Well, I think she's blown a credibility, John. Uh, um, it, you know, I, it's quite staggering, really. The, um, you know, the, they're just showing a complete lack of leadership. And uh, she looks like, um, you know, she looks like a frightened schoolgirl in the headlights, really, when she's interviewed. And I mean, you know, Kami Kwasi, the, um, the ch- her chancellor, is equally incompetent um, that they've got to put these OBR forecasts out. You know, the Bank of England have had to act twice now to try and calm markets. And uh, and uh, on the international stage, we're we're looking pretty damn stupid. So um, so they've got to they have to they they've got to get these OBR forecasts published. But I think we're looking at um, at least another two to three weeks. But I think it's November the third, if my memory serves me, serves me correctly. So we're not going to see anything before then. So uh, we've got a couple of weeks of uncertainty. But but underneath, um, you know, I, I think as we've said before, you know, companies are still growing, businesses are still um, are still building profits, growing profits, and uh, and um, you know, growing revenues. So. So you know we've got to we've got to stay focused on that too, and it does mean because of the uncertainty that a lot of uh, major stocks are are you know are, are priced at almost in bargain territory. Yes, yeah, so we're going to discuss one of those today hmm. on the podcast. Now, of course, you know on the, on the the subject of the chancellor seeing reports that there's a lot of disgruntled backbench Tory MPs that are that are looking at getting together and uh, potentially. Uh, trying to push him out, you know, sort of seeing what's, you know, what he's done. It, it, it's very difficult to see how he continues past this, as you said. And not only his, but Liz Truss's credibility has definitely been, been shot. And talking about credibility, you, you mentioned there, Alan, the Bank of England having to in, intervene into the to the bond markets. Mm. But we saw comments last night from. Uh, Andrew Bailey, uh, the governor of the Bank of England, that pension funds have until this Friday to get themselves in order. Yeah. Um, you know that's the the date that they're set to to end their bond purchases. There's been two variations to that so far this week, but it looks as though they're going to be pulling that in just a couple of days. I mean, when that happens, Alan, do, I mean, do you see volatility playing out in markets? Now, of course, it's a specific problem that they're trying to fix here and that's of course you know maintaining pension funds yeah. ability to, to meet their liabilities but of course doing it through a bond market uh you know has broad implications you know as they take that away if, i think they've, they've ramped up to 10 billion purchases a day you know do, do you see a situation you know 
in markets where there's severe volatility once that's uh, removed? Yes, I think we will see volatility that day, John. I don't think there's any, you know, pension funds uh, have their commitments and uh, liabilities to meet and they'll do whatever it takes to meet that. And, um, and uh, you know, this is part of the problem that we have to battle through because of the um, because of the uh, the storm that's been created through this uh, this uh, this budget of cartangs, um, they've now got to get on top of it and um, and deal with it. But you know we can't really make any progress on that until until I think it's early November, November the third. Um, and of course, given the given that uh, pension funds um, uh, have to make those decisions this Friday, I, I think we're going to see. Um, a, a choppy markets. Um, the Bank of England may well have to intervene again to um, to, to 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 calm markets and to um, and to uh, you know possibly um, possibly uh, make further bond purchases um, and on a wide scale uh, um, other asset purchases also. Yes, yes, and I mean really, what people were calling for when you know an immediate uh, aftermath of the mini budget was uh, an emergency rate hike so they've, they've obviously chose to take a a different path yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out on friday and early and early next week now of course alan we've had this morning the latest installment of gdp figures from the uk uh, it was a contraction of 0.3% in august and we also saw the July figure revised down from an expansion down to a 0.1% contraction. So there's a lot of talk out there at the moment that we're already in recession. Looking at those figures, that very much looks like uh, it could be the, the situation. But we're looking at the FTSE 100 here, Alan. It's just in positive territory. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's that's a big reminder that the FTSE 100 is by no means a representation of the UK economy due to the, to the composition there and, of course, the, the large amounts of uh, uh, revenues that come from overseas and the constituent companies yeah. uh, there. Yeah. So positivity there. And we're also seeing a bit of a tick up in the pound as well. So mm. that's going to be uh, interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of the week as a barometer of the market's feelings around UK assets and, and the economy going forward. But there is one company that we're going to start off with now, Alan, which is a good barometer for the UK economy. Now, typically, if we're looking at the stocks in the FTSE 100 that do give a good insight uh, to the markets feeling around uh, the the UK's financial health and, and economic prospects, it's the banks and the house builders. And we're going to touch on a trading statement here from a house builder in Barrett Developments, Alan. So looking at shares here rather soggy morning for them down seven percent so what did that uh, that trading statement contain which has caused this downside in their shares this morning well i i, I think it's just the the general uncertainty and volatility uh any any statement that is slightly less positive than the previous trading statement is always going to be taken badly and barrett is no exception this morning i mean what it's actually said is it um Annual results will still be in line with expectations, so so the financial outlook hasn't really changed. But private reservations, uh, you know, the volume of private reservations has slipped because, of course, uh, you know, uh, potential purchasers seeing interest rates rising, um, and also some of the mortgage products that were on the table, um, you know, a few weeks ago have now been removed. So, of course, there's this ongoing uncertainty, but. The, the the one thing about the that we know about the UK housing market is that um, 
we're on we're an island we're a finite territory and we have a huge a huge population in the uk there's always a housing housing shortage so however however structured those financial products are they will uh, products will always be put in place to to um, enable first-time buyers to get on the ladder and i mean we had this um uh, my son had this uh, uh, a couple of years ago when when they bought a place and the mortgage availability due to mid-COVID was extremely difficult. But um, something was on the table; um, they were able to get it, and um, and and of course they went ahead. So so lenders will adapt their offerings to make sure they take into account the prevailing conditions. But I mean, uh, you know, adjusted full year full full year pre-tax profits um, should be ninety nine hundred seventy two million. You know, which is which is pretty well in line with uh, with uh, with uh, market expectations. Um, but uh, Chief Executive David Thomas said, you know, um, there there's uh, strong levels of interest across the country, um, and I think what we're seeing probably, given that we've got this blip of uncertainty, and as we discussed just now, the the pension funds uh, the, the the pension funds have yet to show their hands uh, this Friday. Um, I think probably a lot of potential house buyers might be just sitting on their hands for a couple of weeks and then uh, looking looking to see how the how the market responds uh, to 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 the OBR forecast going forward. Um, and of course, if we are in recession, if, you know, if the data for the GDP data points to the UK in, in recession, that uh, you know that could have. Um, a measured impact on the, the the sales for house builders going forward, but you know if you look at Barrett as a stock, um, uh, the, the share price is now at this uh, at this uh, multi year low. It's at a five year low, um, and of course at um, three hundred twenty uh, uh, pence per share or three pound twenty one, you've got a dividend yield of nearly tw- nearly twelve percent. Um, of course, if if house sales are impacted, the numbers are impacted. That's that will uh, probably change. But um, it's it's a thought that you could pick the stock up now in the run up to the full year results and uh, and grab a piece of the dividend action after that. Um, but that of course depends on your longer term view. I happen to think that the housing market will be resilient, and with the Bank of England in charge of the uh, of uh, setting interest rates and uh, may able to intervene in the markets like this i don't think we're in for the sort of shock that we saw in the in let's say the 1990s um that said of course um you know the, the market the, there is a lot of uncertainty um given the 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 macro backdrop with the russia ukraine war russia's ramping up its um its response after the attack on the crimean bridge at the weekend so there's there are a lot of a lot of factors in play that could um, influence the outcome for Barrett's one way or another. Yes, indeed. So, of course, Barrett Developments is, is the first of many trading statements mm. that we're going to get from the, from the House Builders. Just looking here, Taylor Wimpy set to put out a trading statement in uh, on, the, on the 9th of November. So we're going to be drip-fed yep. these trading statements over the, the coming weeks. But we're looking this morning... At the at the house building sector, and you know, looking at you know, persimmon down about four percent, Taylor Wimpy, uh, a similar amount. I mean, do you think looking at this, and this is probably quite a difficult question to to, to answer, but it's you know, it's, it's a good bit of insight into into the setup here. Do you think that the market's pricing in the negativity of each one of these house builders, uh, you know, likely to be negative? 
trading statements going forward? Or do you do you see more days like today when we get Persimmons trading update, when we get Taylor Wimpy's uh, update, and they're all you know likely to be pretty negative? Do we see further downside in the, on the house builders then, or do you think everybody's pricing it in today for, for any negativity that we see in the next month or so? Yeah, I mean the the, the markets look look, look uh, well ahead, don't they? Six to nine months ahead, generally speaking. So what we're seeing now is a reflection of. Uh, where the markets expect to see these stocks. And of course, um, an awful lot of uncertainty to come. You know, the IMF has warned today that uh, the worst is yet to come for the global economy because of um, high inflation and uh, rising interest rates. So, so you know, th- th- there's, a, there's a lot of uncertainty to come in, in, this, uh, I- I- in the next few months. And of course, um, you know, uh, certainly uh, companies, uh, companies with, Huge exposure to the UK economy will 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 reflect that. But the fact is that uh, in the UK, you know, we have a very strong housing market, and lenders will adapt. They will um, that they will introduce products tailored to the market conditions at the time. Um, and you know, as it's moving so quickly, you might take see those products taken off the market a few weeks later and replaced by a new one. So, so the the lenders are uh, are able to spawn. To, to respond rapidly to changing conditions. So um, I think, yeah, I think we're in for a soft landing, you know, rather than a, rather than a hard crash. But, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, obviously there is a lot of uncertainty until we hear these OBR forecasts for the UK economy, uh, which are due, I think, on the 3rd of November. Yeah, I think they brought that forward to the to the thirty first of October. Okay, so, but you know, not, not not a huge, not a huge e- difference. Even better, <laughs> a few yeah, days yeah, closer. Not, not a huge, uh, not a huge difference, and uh, you know, my, minor administrative changes like that do raise uh, questions. Why I just don't do it now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so exactly. Yeah, we look at looking at these house builders here. We spoke about Taylor Wimpy a few weeks ago. You know, I don't think anything's changed there. I think we said at the time, Alan, it's going to be a volatile sector, but. You know, for those reasons that you outlined there about the long-term dynamics of the of the UK housing market, as we saw back in the uh, financial crisis, whenever there's any weakness in the house builders, we 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 tend to see the housing market bounce back. So, yeah. for longer-term investors, you know, a sector to to keep an eye on uh, and uh, maybe look for an entry for that sort of longer-term three to five-year holds, but. Uh, you know, for traders that are trying to play the the short term moves, that's a very tough job yeah. to uh, to do with these house builders at the moment. So, I'm sure we're going to be updating the podcast with further trading statements from house builders as we get them in the coming weeks. So, we're going to move on now, Alan, and discuss a company uh, that we've had on the podcast on numerous occasions. Uh, CEO uh, Kieran uh, Morzeri has been on. Uh, UK Investor Magazine virtual conferences some some months ago now, actually. I think we're going back to probably the beginning of the year. But uh, a little bit's happened since then, Alan. What's uh, the latest from them? Well, indeed, I interviewed uh, Cadence Minerals uh, CEO, Kieran, uh, in, he was actually in the Mapper Friday last week, and uh, we, we, we published that one on Friday evening. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think, um, certainly, you know, given the, Volatility in the share price, and uh, you know, really, uh, since they since the company raised some money at twenty p, the share price is now sitting at half of that, which is absolutely daft considering what they've got there in a the mapper. But um, I, I made a point, you know, when talking to them, you know, they've even though there, there appears to be very little activity, there's a, there's actually an awful lot going on behind the scenes. Um, earlier in the year, uh, 
Cades, of course, had investments uh, in two Australian lithium and rare earth assets. And of course, you know, the rare earth is the Yangibana rare earth project. Um, and it's turned its initial 1.7 million investment into equity in Evergreen, which is the lithium company that will be listing on the ASX very shortly. And of course, uh, Yangibana into five and a half million. So there's a book value there of five and a half million. And obviously, you know, as those projects develop, that could rise substantially. Um, it also also has investments in the Sonora Lithium Project in Mexico. And of course, it owns uh, a chunk of stock in European Metals Holdings, um, has exposure to the uh, the Sinovec um, Lithium Project in Czechoslovakia, which of course is going to be the hub for the European EV industry going forward. So, you know, very, very exciting uh, progress there. But the for, for Cadence, it's very much the Amapa Iron Ore project that um, is key to this. Um, the Amapa Iron Ore project is in northeastern Brazil. Um, obviously, you know, Brazil's renowned for many huge iron ore projects, but um, this one was owned by Anglo American, valued by them at 600 million in 2012. Um, and then, due to a collapse of the port and very low iron ore prices, the the project uh, uh, the, the project uh, fell into uh, they stopped production and the some of the um, the infrastructure fell into disrepair at the port and uh, also the mine. Um, but uh, they cadence um, um, and cadence and Indosino uh, joined together, bought a mapper out of administration, um, and they have settled with the banks and the creditors and they now own 20 27% of this is Cadence Mills owns 27% of the entire Amapa infrastructure which is the mine which is the the railway that takes the ore to the port and also the port itself so 27% of that entire asset which is huge you know it's it, it's massive um and um they have an option also to increase to 49% but as i say for an investment of just 6 million dollars which is incredible so so what they've done as part of the recommissioning process um uh, when i spoke to kieran he was talking directly from the from santana port and he said literally you know a year ago this was a wasteland it was just uh, you know it was overgrown there were old shacks here and there and it's now completely revamped as you'll see if you look at the video um that they've got to, they have sort of numerous buildings there um which are adjacent to the port and the whole area has been redeveloped so um part of the process of course is to is to um to, to undertake a pfs pre-feasibility study which is currently being conducted by wardell um and on the back of that they have um substantially increased the the mineral resource estimate. So, um, when the when uh, the company announced in March it was going to invest its uh, six million and take up twenty seven percent, the uh, the Amapa Iron Ore project at that point had a mineral resource estimate of one hundred seventy six point seven million tons, with a grading of about thirty nine percent iron in the indicated category. Uh, they last fr- last week announced a substantial increase in that. From 176 to 276 million tons, grading uh, 38.3% FE, um, and uh, a new measured resource of 55.3% million tons, grading 26% FE. Also, so so this is this is huge progress, a huge step forward, um, and of course, what that means is the increase uh, in the resource under the ground. 
extends the life of the mine. Um, uh, well, it certainly, certainly initially provides a sound basis for an initial 15-year mine life. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, it, it, um, it, it makes financing the 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 product project when the uh, when the when the actual mine itself is brought back to life obviously the capex uh, uh, required there um uh, is is already uh, in the process of being raised but it this the increase in mineral resource estimate makes that job an awful lot easier so they can complete the pre feasibility feasibility study then move to the dfs the definitive feasibility study which is the the infrastructural one, looking at uh, the capex required, and then of course um, uh, moving uh, that that was completed, and we put a mapper back into production. Um, now, the Kieran also said that the reason for the the share the falls on the share price were really off the back of the company's um, now cons- considerable exposure to the iron ore price, which has dropped from I think two hundred and sixty or over two hundred dollars a ton last year down to. Hundred, uh, uh, just over hundred dollars per ton. So it, it's almost halved in value, uh, and that's what happens with commodities, um, and that's really been reflected in the fall in the share price. But with the increase in resource, that, to, to my mind, simply hasn't been reflected in the valuation of the company. I mean, Cadence owns twenty-seven percent of this huge asset. Um, it's it's uh, done the other deals that I, I described with the with lithium and and. and uh, the rare earth, Yandibana rare earth project, and it currently has a market cap of just 16 million, which is which is daft. But you know that's where a lot of resource companies are at the moment. Um, but any any uh, tangible progress at a mapper um, from this point on, I believe, will have have a, a have a uh, a significant impact on the valuation of the company, and we should see that valuation gap uh, redressed in the not too distant future. Yes, I mean that that's uh, that that is an issue that we that we're seeing at the moment. An issue, maybe an opportunity. It depends which way you uh, you look at it. With with a lot of um, junior resource companies at the moment, of course, you know that they are a, a speculative sector, of of course. And you know when, when we when we do see volatility in markets and economic conditions uh, start to uh, deteriorate, they're always the uh, the first sector to to feel the pressure, and you know, a lot of the time when you're looking at the share prices, there's no real reflection of the actual assets that they have and and the projects that they're working on. It's more a reflection of of, of sentiment, and of course, sentiment isn't particularly strong at the moment globally. But you know, on the flip side, when you do start to see sentiment improve and when you start to see economic conditions improve with it. You know, this is always and and it has been. If you look over the last ten to fifteen years, one of the first sectors that starts to to move to the upside, and and likely that Cadence is one of those companies that joins that move when it comes. And obviously, the uh, the the point to be emphasised there is when. So, Alan, we're going to move on now and finish on uh, Decal Agrivision, palm oil producer based in Africa. What's the latest from them? Okay, so uh, they've had a they've had a I wouldn't say a tired time, but um, there were so there are two Decal Agrivision, of course, based in on the Ivory Coast, and the Ivory Coast is renowned as a top exporter of cocoa, cashew nuts, coffee, palm oil. Um, it's the world's largest uh, cocoa producer in the world and third third largest coffee producer. So you know it's very much a 
very much a, 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 a an agricultural powerhouse in that regard. Um, so uh, the way the way Deckel works is it has um, it has two uh, palm oil uh, pr- production plants at uh, Ienwen, which is to the east of Abidjan uh, port and Gutri to the west of Abidjan port um, and uh, it uh, is producing uh, uh, palm oil um, uh, and reports every month on its production levels um, and uh, uh, that, that sales of, of, uh, of crude palm oil, palm kernel oil, kernel cake and also nursery plants as well. So um, so the, the the other the, the other asset that the company has been developing is um, is at Tabusa, which is um, uh, almost due north, I think, of um, Abidjan, and that's a cashew nut uh, uh, a cashew nut plant. Um, and again, what happens? You've got um, thousands of small shareholders dotted across the Ivory Coast, and they will harvest their their crop and bring them to. Both the palm oil plant and, of course, the the cashew nut plant for processing, um, but there were delays in bringing the cashew plant uh, uh, production facility online. Some uh, some equipment was needed, um, and uh, uh, despite uh, um, arriving last year, it, there was uh, it was late being commissioned. So it's really just now starting to come on stream, and we're starting to see production numbers uh, uh, um, grow and increase. Um, but certainly, um, certainly, uh, the in the first half of the year, that's the uh, interim results uh, to the end of June. The company reported record EBITDA and net profit after tax from the INON plant, uh, palm plant, palm oil plant. Um, so, uh, first half revenues of um, just under twenty million euros, um, which were down slightly from two thousand twenty one, but. Um, margins improved to 25.5% compared to 22% uh, previously. Um, And that, of course, drove EBITDA numbers um, up 7.7% to 4.2 million euros from uh, 2021. So so great progress. Um, The cashing up plant, of course, recorded a a, a net loss of uh, 200,000 euros, um, simply because it wasn't commissioned in time to start production. Uh, but then we've just um, we had uh, uh, we had a few days ago a September uh, production update and that's uh, cashew nut operation uh, or the cashew nut operational update and palm oil production. Um, so uh, so in in terms of um, in terms of uh, 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 palm oil, Deckel achieved a fifteen percent improvement in fresh fruit bunches of uh, process compared to last month. Um, and crude palm oil extraction rates up 21% to 90% previously. Um, and uh, fine equipment was installed and commissioned at the cashew nut operation. And uh, and Deckel said that it's well on track to meet uh, um, Deckel's its 223 objective of processing 10,000 10, tonnes of raw cashew nuts. So that's going to significantly impact on the numbers and the production. So... Um, I, I just looked at the news because I've been following this story and looking at when that cashew nut plant comes online because it's it's a you know potentially extremely profitable business and of course it's great it's great for all these local landowners who are all getting paid out for their for their uh, for their harvests uh, that they take into the plant for production so it's it's a really really good model um, 
the, the one factor is, of course, that uh, you know the, the prices of raw cash, cashew nuts and crude palm oil varies, and uh, I think crude palm oil has has fallen uh, slightly, um, slightly compared to previously, uh, but um, but nonetheless, the demand is still very very strong. So um, the the company, of course, is uh, we've got two uh, key people there: Lincoln Moore, the director, who's really been responsible for driving this forward. Um, and uh, he said, you know, he said they're seeing improvement in crude palm oil volumes and extraction rates are strong. Um, and uh, the, uh, uh, th- those prices are close to all time highs, which is important as we edge closer to the next high season in early 2023. So if the season, uh, early season 2023 uh, delivers and you've got the production of the cashew nut uh, plants uh, as well, I think uh, we could see a material uplift in the decal share price and i'm looking now the share price is 2.8p it's uh year um the the year low is just above 2p so we're not far off that now so um i think any improvement in these numbers you, you, we're going to see we're going to see a, a a potentially big increase it's now got everything in place to deliver on that so uh, you, you're betting on that production improving if you buy the stock at this level um and also you know with this uh, you know producing those sort of numbers you know in, in on the half year we've got a market capitalization of 15 million so so in no way is the value of the company to my mind reflected um reflected in the in the um in the current market capitalization so so yeah you know potentially a really pivotal and important six months for Deckel and one that I think during which investors will see uh, certainly buying in now will see a significant uplift. Yes, of course, just looking at the last year, full year's profit, Alan, you know, and and, and the current uh, valuation, you know, it's, it's trading sort of roughly seven and a half, half times earnings. If you see an increase going forward from there, you know, that all of a sudden for, for a company that, of course, is producing and, and, and seeing significant revenues in their operations does start to look very cheap. So certainly an interesting one there for investors to get stuck into and have a, do have a look at those uh, those figures. So just as a recap for the companies that we discussed today, first of all was Barrack Developments with a picker, ticker sorry, of BDEV. It was then Cadence Minerals, which has a ticker of KDNC. And we finished then with Decal AgriVision with a ticker of DKL. Alan, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just a note to listeners, we have the next instalment of our virtual conferences coming up at the beginning of November. And that will be the Virtual Investment Trust conference we have a number of investment trusts lined up to present including uh, jlen the energy transition trust from triple point and of course one from ocean dial their india capital growth fund so uh, do get yourselves signed up for that and hopefully see you there thank you very much for listening We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk. 